Sigil's a Romanian word. The stamp that people who had the status of having a stamp with their own insignia used to seal the red wax. That's one of the definitions sigil has gone. But it's a condensing of a large word into a symbol, or a term into a symbol. And we see it everywhere advertisers use it. The McDonald's M is technically mm-hmm. a sigil. Mm-hmm. People have their initials on a handkerchief, that cursive, that's a, its own kind of sigil. It gets more complicated when invocations of what is believed to be things on the other side, disincarnate spirits, invisible, but there is a window to them through the concentration of these images. Welcome to Supernatural Stories, the show where you'll hear real stories of the supernatural from real people all across Canada. I'm your host, Cal Goodbaum, broadcasting from Rocking Chair Studio in Toronto. I hope you enjoy the show wherever you are. Thanks for listening. That was my friend Jack you were hearing just now before the intro. Along with his fascinating story about sigils, this episode features other stories from two returning storytellers, Tristan and Henry. The theme of the episode is conjuring images, both those created intentionally and those that happen unwittingly. In this episode, you'll hear how images can come to life or can hint at something unknown. First, Jack came into the studio to explain his experiences with sigils. Sigils and other forms of intentional magic, which is often spelled M-A-G-I-C-K, to differentiate it from the performing magician shows, is seen by many as being ungodly, unchristian, haram, unkosher, based largely on the ever-perpetuating fear of the unknown. This episode's theme will loosely cover stories that were submitted to me about experiences that are in a murky territory between dream and reality, liminal and subliminal, a neat threshold for experiences of the unknown to occur in. In my opinion, as someone who was raised religiously, I withhold judgment as to the deeper aspects and implications of these stories, and let you decide for yourself what to make of them. I'll let Jack get back to introducing his sigil work. They became used a lot in the middle, like 1500s, This Dutch guy, I forget his name, but he made a whole category. 72 fallen angels, sigils of those guys. You can read descriptions of their personalities, what to use them for, what to call upon them, what they'll teach you. And before I knew all that, I had a chart of them that someone shared with me, and all it said was, only use in case of an emergency. Otto Osman Spare, you mentioned kind of revivified sigils in the Victorian era. So past the Middle Ages, closer to us now. When was that? He worked in the 20th century. That's when everyone was into that stuff. Like even in Winnipeg, they were all into those necroplasm photos. Yeah, neo-Gothic kind of time. The danger in using those things is it's kind of like if you had a, a landline phone, you had no choice whether it rang or not. 
and these things will just phone you anytime they want if you're not careful. I don't know if there's a way around that. You can't hang up the phone. No. No. There's no way to do it that doesn't also interrupt your life in that way. You know, to be like, I come to you, you don't come to me. It's not doesn't work that way. In my experience. So, Osman Spare, sigils, the way he would make them is to drop the vowels, right? Take a statement or a word. Drop the vowels. So I'm just going to explain to people. So he would take a word and he would write only the consonants from that word. Yeah, only the consonants. And then he would cancel out from those consonants any of them that repeated. And then use what's left over to make a symbol. And then that floated around for a bit. I found out through Genesis Peorge. That's kind of where I saw it for the first time. Sigils. And then I remembered where I had seen them prior, which was like Marilyn Manson album covers, or the little book inside would have symbols that I was like, there's something weird about that drawing. Ah, that's what he did. That's what those people were into. And the way I did my own sigil, I worked in the opposite direction. So I thought instead of canceling out, I would keep vowels, and instead of canceling out the repeating letters, only using the repeating letters. And I wrote my name, and then I wrote the word witchcraft. And the common letters were R, I, C, A. So I made a name, R-I-C-I-R-A-C-A, Ricky Raka. Like I just drew it in a sketchbook, playing around with reversal. And then I came back to it in 2013 in a project in Calgary called Rec City. We had the opportunity to make art in houses that were being torn down. There weren't many rules there was a lot of asbestos, so we couldn't access that and make people breathe it in. But other than that, we could just make whatever. But there were nine houses and a hundred artists, so on one weekend, I think in total, 10,000 people came through or something. I just went crazy and went to Home Depot and brought all this paint in and just kept painting the walls. I did not stop painting the walls. Each room had a different theme. I turned the bathroom into, like, The Shining if the murder happened in the bathroom so that you could only see it through the hacked door. And it was like campy. It was all these things. And in what would be the bedroom in this strange apartment, one-fourth of a fourplex, it was apartment three, so I called it apartment 333. I chose different sigil demons based on what I would want to anchor into the name Ricky Rocca and painted them all in the room willy-nilly based on like the descriptions. I'm like, oh, I want a bit of that one. And I just window shopped them, basically. I focused so much artwork and I played this eerie music. I would light candles. I had a little offering area where I would pour anything I was drinking or eating. I'd leave some. So it was getting kind of like obsessive and gross. And my ambition came from the fact that it would all get torn down. So no matter how bad things got in there, on an energetic level, the house was getting torn down. That was my reasoning. I was noticing different changes happen. I got scared of what was happening, because my idea was I should see if I can make a haunted house. But instead, it kind of haunted me at the same time. I would have, like, run-ins with people where it would almost start a fight. I would say coincidence if it only happened once, but I felt just this kind of weight, this presence that was there. I'd hear someone say my name, and I'd turn, and there was no one in that corner. And it happened a few times at the same party. By the time the opening happened, all the houses got so full, it was getting kind of dangerous. This one woman 
leaves that room with her arms crossed and her shoulders up, marching out of there just saying, I have to leave here. It just, it, it feels wrong. There's something that just feels so wrong. She seemed spooked by it. I went to a friend's house while all this was happening. So I just went through the door and sat down. I heard the shower. I thought, okay, she's in the shower. I heard this heavy breathing coming down from the hallway near the bathroom. I started hearing... And I thought it was her in the shower. Should I leave? Should I give privacy? And I'm figuring this out while hearing the breathing. And then I heard this big crash, clatter, crash, crash. The shower turned off and I heard her say, what the f was that? And I said, I don't know, did it happen because of your heavy breathing? And she opened the bathroom door and sees me and says, what are you talking about? And we both looked and between us were the, right beside the bathroom, two framed pictures had fallen off the wall. They had made that sound. And so I told her about the breathing and she looked at me and said, did you bring something into my house? You know, and I thought, oh, maybe I did, I don't know. And that's when I got scared and realized I didn't create any parameters, that it had to stay in the house. Living with my girlfriend, two seasons after that house I made and the sigils I messed with, she woke me up at three in the morning and was like, I just heard something by the bathroom. I had like ultimate security, so it wasn't like an intruder wasn't a reality in this place. I have to be a ninja. <laughs> she said, I heard something breathing by the bathroom. And I got the nauseous feeling in my stomach again with fear. And I said, what did the breathing sound like? She didn't know this story about the breathing. And she mimicked it. I myself have experimented once or twice with making a sigil. It's not that hard, but it's not something I'd want to get too into. As Jack said, it's possible sometimes to pick up the line but not be able to hang it up. If you want to try it for yourself, or if you have a story about some kind of intentional magic practice such as ritual magic or sigil magic, why don't you get in touch with me to share your story on a future episode? You can visit www.supernaturalstories.ca that's Supernatural Stories, all one word, which redirects to the Facebook page where you can send a message and also subscribe for posts. You can also leave a review there or on iTunes or wherever else you get the show from. I'm not an expert in the supernatural or someone with that deep a knowledge of these things. I have experienced more than my fair share of supernatural experiences, though, and that is what mostly motivated me to seek out other people who have too had their own story they need to share. It's a big downer to experience something so shocking or life-changing, but not be able to share it with others for the fear that they will treat you wrong as a result. No one wants to be seen as crazy. In the current popular North American culture, as seen on TV and in newspapers and in schools, ghosts or psychic phenomena or magic, with a K, are just the stuff of fantasy, not something to be seriously considered. Meanwhile, in the native North American cultures, there is old lore about these phenomena and beings, as there is in just about all of the traditional cultures around the world. If you listened to episode 11, Growing Up in Tucson, 
You heard Bernard tell several stories about doppelgangers. Well, there's a similar phenomenon with a word from Tibet. That word is tulpa. If you've watched the show Twin Peaks, maybe you know a thing or two about tulpas. Tulpas supposedly manifest out of the mind and gain autonomy, can become creatures that can appear before us but without a material form. They can disappear like a ghost. This idea of intentionally creating a form is an old concept in esoteric teachings about the mind and psychic powers. We, created in the image of God, are supposed to have similar powers of creation, which lay hitherto waiting to be unlocked. I spoke on the phone with Tristan from Montreal. He was the one who shared his own story about a cat ghost in episode 9, Friendly Ghost. He shared this story of a strange entity that can cross over from dreams to reality. Montreal about 10 years ago now. There's an area called the Plateau, so it's near downtown, very nice neighborhood. I moved into this beautiful old apartment that was built in the late 1800s, and so the downstairs used to be for servants and all the cooking, everything was done downstairs, and then they'd bring the food upstairs. So the rich people would live in the upstairs of the downhouse, so the first floor, second floor. It was like a half basement I was in, when I moved in there, I said to myself, whatever dream I have, so it's my first night, whatever dream I have this first night is going to set the tone of what it's going to be like living here. And so that first night, I had a nightmare. I was back at my parents' old house, and I got up in the middle of the night and went down the hallway, and there's this thing that I thought was my mother, and then it came out of the shadows, and it had giant mirrors for eyes, like round mirror eyes. Interesting. And horns. And it was moving so fast, it was almost like vibrating in motion. And then it changed to my new bedroom in the new apartment, and it came out from behind the brick chimney that was in my in my apartment. And then I woke up but in my bedroom. So I was completely petrified. Whatever it was, it was something outside of the house and it wanted in, but I couldn't really explain it. And then I had a friend who came to spend the night on the couch and she was in the living room that had a back door facing the backyard. She got into bed with me that night because she was so scared. She said, I woke up, I looked out the back window and she said, I saw this thing with horns and mirrors for eyes looking in at me. And I was just like, wow, okay. So that's exactly what I saw. So then I was horrified. I'm horrified just hearing that. That's so scary. <laughs> I needed a roommate. I had a second bedroom. So after a couple months, there's this girl from Germany who moved in. And uh, we got along great. She lived with me for a year, but towards the end, uh, she started dating a bad guy, kind of got into a lot of drugs, nothing heavy, but drugs a bit too much and drinking. She started having really bad nightmares about something in the backyard. After she moved out, it was kind of getting to this climax. I felt whatever it was in the backyard was trying to move inside. I remember it was a beautiful sunny Monday, and I was home by myself, so I went to 
take a shower, and then I heard all the dishes, all the shelves in the kitchen fall down, all the dishes fall and break. And I just thought to myself, okay, I'm going to come out of the bathroom, I'm going to have to clean up this huge mess. And I came out, and there was absolutely nothing. Beautiful, bright, sunny day. And so there's a lot of weird stuff like that happening in the apartment. But then once she moved out, it was like the quiet after the storm. Suddenly I wasn't bothered by anything anymore. Everything was quiet, so nice and peaceful. And then I didn't hear from my ex-roommate for a couple of weeks. And then she called me from Germany. And the first thing she said was, it followed me here. Oh, no. Whatever it was, it was something negative, and I think it was trying to get in with me, but I was like, this is not happening, you're not allowed in my house. But I think because of maybe some of her substance abuse issues, that she wasn't as strong in that moment, it found someone to latch onto, so it latched onto her, and then followed her overseas. <laughs> if you do drugs and stuff, that it kind of weakens mm-hmm. you, on a spiritual level, mm-hmm. and the negative mm-hmm. energies are attracted to that? I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it latched on to her, and then she ended up, I think, having uh, to go to rehab, you know, and I think she's doing great, but it was kind of just a, a dark period. I have a kind of twist to give on this, maybe another angle mm-hmm. to look at. You know, so you're mm-hmm. having a dream, and at the same time, this girl sees exactly what you're dreaming. So, either when you're dreaming, you were in some kind of state where you were kind of psychically aware of some spirit or something that entered your dream. But I had another thought. You know, when I'm trying to imagine this creature with the horns and the mirror eyes, I tried to visualize it. And the closest that I could get to imagining it was actually something from a Lady Gaga video. Because you know how she oh, yeah. she always has horns and stuff in, in, in some shots. And sometimes she'll have... Um, yeah like a mirror kind of glasses. Mm-hmm. So I was imagining those shiny kind of mirror eyes. And I was wondering, what if this thing that your friend saw and that you saw in your dream is what's called a tulpa? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of a tulpa? No, a, never. A tulpa, no. A tulpa is like a creature that's manifested out of your mind. And then it can become real and people can see it, but it can also just kind of vanish and disappear because it wasn't a real... Oh, weird. Yeah, it's this weird idea I've read about a lot. I, it came up a, a lot in the show Twin Peaks, and then I read about it. Tulpa. Tulpa. I'm going to check that out. I've never, I've never heard of that before. That's actually very interesting. Yeah. Well, because okay. it's also, you know, it's weird. I think, of what if it was the other way? What if this thing jumped from your dream into reality, you know? Oh, that would be scary. <laughs> yeah. It's like because Nightmare on Elm Street was, in reverse. I like to think that I can feel like human spirits or whatever, but whatever this was, was, I, was never human, whatever it was. When I started thinking about this show, I came up with the name Supernatural Stories very quickly. 
to describe a range of experiences that cannot be explained. Paranormal sounds a bit too scientific and not universally understood. Some might argue that the word supernatural is a misnomer because everything is part of nature in the end, nothing is above nature, but I would argue that there are aspects to our reality we don't understand enough, and for now, supernatural is the best word we have to describe them. I had actually never seen the TV show Supernatural, by the way, before, and because of the title I chose for the podcast, so many guests have talked to me about the TV show, or even been in the process of watching it when we spoke to record their stories. I've since delved into the first season. Sometimes it seems wildly unrealistic, but let's not forget that sometimes reality is stranger than fiction. If you're a fan of the show or any of the other podcast episodes, I'm very glad to bring them to you for free, as always. But if you'd like to show your appreciation or to contribute towards me making more episodes, you can go to www or triple w as the kids say dot patreon.com slash supernatural stories that's patreon spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n and there you can become a patron of the podcast by contributing a dollar or more to the month to support my making the episodes my putting out new posters and posting online about it i haven't been doing so much of it lately because it does cost me a lot to make the show so any contribution is much appreciated. And as well for now to show the appreciation, I'm making anyone who pays $3.60 or more a month feel extra special with a Supernatural Stories mug, which you can drink your coffee, tea, your soup or whatever in. And you could probably use it for intentional magic if you're into that sort of thing. Thanks to the current Patreon contributors, John Majikowski, Linda Ander, Molly Smith, and Speak Parla Hable, apparently. Now back to the show. This final story is the last one I've recorded from Henry. I'll hopefully be getting in touch with him soon to hear more and share more of his stories, which you've heard in episodes like the aforementioned Friendly Ghosts episode 9, or one in the recent episode 13, Dying Messages, and others. He talked about psychic messages that were passed to him by tarot readers, and now he has some stories of his own from times reading tarot and conjuring up uncanny truths. I also couldn't pass up the opportunity for an on-air reading. You know what I was thinking we could do? Yeah. I've got a, uh, Toth tarot deck. Oh! I never used a Toth, but I could, I could try it if you want. It is a little bit different for sure. Oh, that's actually what I wanted to get into, too. I don't know if you can throw it in there if you believe it or not, but I can just tell you. I used to do psychic readings and how we're talking about how there's a lot of times, a lot of people, there's a lot of skeptics out there who don't believe that psychics, you know, that a lot of them are fake. I've had a lot, and, I, and a lot of psychics have this too. Sometimes you have clients that will contact you, that will ask you a question. Should I get back together with John Doe? What they would do is they would try to rephrase the question because they didn't like the answer. What often happened almost every single time is that the almost exact same or the exact same cards would come up. And I shuffle the deck and I let them shuffle it so that they know I'm not just scamming them. And I think that there's something to be said that, you know, when I do a reading and for it to come up, like I've done it sometimes where I do a reading for them where they ask the same question but in a different way three times. And for the same card to come up three times and they shuffle the deck, I don't think that's just a weird coincidence. No, that's very against the odds. And, you know, people can see for themselves, so... 
to try to go in there and make sure you've never contacted them. You just go in there. They tell you specific things and nobody can know, then you know they're for real. Anyway, go for it. So am I just doing, uh, we'll just do a one card? Sure. Okay. All right, so I shuffled it twice. And I'll do a little shuffle like that. And I'm going to cut it. And we'll flip the card. It is strength. The nine of wands. Nine of wands is usually about being exhausted or being tired. But the top, each death is, is kind of different. Even though they're sort of the same thing. But Do I seem tired and exhausted at all? No, not to knowledge, but... Well, I started feeling better yesterday, but less than 48 hours ago, I was in the hospital and I've been, I've got some health complications and I was pretty sick and extremely exhausted. So exhausted. I just couldn't believe how tired I felt and I'm just getting over that. So that seems like a pretty accurate past reading. So what I was going to suggest to you is to maybe carry a turquoise. You mean like this? Yeah, yeah. But there's some things, there's a lot. I know a gemologist who lives in my building, but there's apparently a lot of fake turquoise out there. So I don't know if it's real. I don't know. I don't it's even real. I, co I collect stones and this was expensive. If it's expensive, that's a good sign. I actually had just um, picked up this stone earlier and repositioned where it was. I put it right next to me. I used to do uh, psychic readings and like tarot cards and stuff. I researched for about six months before I did readings professionally. And I thought, okay, well, it's not fair to charge people money if my readings aren't good and I need to practice. So I used to do readings at this thing in Toronto called Pedestrian Sunday in Kennington Market. Oh, I've, I've been to so many Pedestrian Sundays. Oh, yeah? Maybe you might have seen me there and you walked by. You never yeah, know. exactly. I used to be the guy in the top hat with the red jacket. I don't know. I yep. used to be right near the, uh, the park in Augusta. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen you. And I was hanging out in the park. Oh, there you yeah. go. So I did this reading one time for free, and if people wanted to donate something, fine. Just use it to get practice so that I could get readings. This one woman sits down, and instantly, as soon as she sits down, I just felt this presence like there was a spirit that was there. I did never saw anything. I didn't hear anything. I didn't smell anything. I just felt that there was someone there. And within two seconds, before I did any read, any cards, I said to her, I said, have you, uh, I'm just curious, is anyone close to you passed away? Like, I'm talking really recent. And she kind of smiles, and she said, yeah, she said, my sister. Now, I did this reading one time for this client where I did a home reading. As soon as I got in and did a reading, I just felt this strong stench, but not like odor, but this feeling of like death. Like I'm talking like, the, it felt like the plague. I just wanted to get the hell out of there. It was so bad. I wanted to trust my instincts, and I asked, you know, it's not really nice to bring this up before I do a reading for my client. I said, I'm just curious, has anyone ever died in this, in this, uh, in this apartment? She said, yeah, free people. <sighs> like I was talking about earlier, how I find it really cool that when you do a reading, if you do a, the same question, the same cards come up. And I used to get one question that was common almost all the time, which was, um, uh, how did this person die? And that was the most common question. And the thing that I still find freaky to this day, I always got the same card. And I mean this every single time clients ask this question, every time the same card and the card that comes up, I think it's number 38, which is called mystery. What the card meaning is, is that the spirit doesn't want the person to know the answer, which I know is like, and it makes it's like a joke. It's, it's like a joke. Exactly. It's like a joke because it, it makes me seem like a cop. I was like, Oh, I don't want to answer your question. 
I honestly believe the reason why that comes up is because, I mean, I'm sure everyone's heard about the expression closure, right? Is that the spirit feels that them knowing the answer of why they died won't help them in any way. In fact, sometimes by knowing that answer can sometimes make things worse. So I find it really interesting. But I swear to God, I did at least like six times for that question. And every time, every time was the same card. These have all been real stories from real people across Canada. Music featured in this show was by 23 and Beyond the Infinite with The Wild Truth, Pulsanti with To Name, Your Yermchek with Fragment, Yoko Absorbing with Lady Gaga and Miroslav Tshi. The rest of the tracks were by myself, Cal Goodbaum. Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories, and thanks for telling your friends about the show and supporting a place for the supernatural. If you want to contribute a dollar or more towards the production of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash supernatural stories. If you have a story of your own to contribute, you can do that at supernaturalstories.ca. Till next time. <laughs>